Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today with Craig Von Battenberg, the owner of Automotive Career Development Center, also known as ACDC in Worcester, Massachusetts. Craig and I have known each other longer than either one of us care to admit, but he is also one of the premier experts really in the industry on anything EV or hybrid vehicles. Craig's been doing this for quite a while. And I thought it would be a great idea to get him on the show and talk a little bit about the electrification phase that we seem to be getting into. So, Craig, welcome to the show. It's great to see you. Nice to be here. And by the way, you said Von Battenberg. You made me a German. My grandfather was born in Amsterdam. So it's Van Battenberg. Van Battenberg. Okay, yes, great. Sir. Great. Well, I just go by Craig. So we'll... we'll... Fair, fair enough. Craig is good. The short ball guy will work as well. I hear, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And we won't talk about some of our exploits in the industry it's for another time. Yeah, that's right. But as I said, Craig and I have been friends for a long time, and he is definitely one of the premier trainers that is providing the information that we're all going to need to cope with hybrid and electric vehicles. A lot of shops have been working on hybrids for quite some time, but this move towards electrification seems to have gotten everyone a bit rattled and wondering about, well, gee, what's going to happen next? And really, it's not that bad if you start looking at what we're already doing and what we need to do. So that's why I wanted to talk with you, Craig, today. Some shops have been servicing hybrids for some time now. In fact, the original hybrids, I believe, are all antiques. Can you offer some advice on what they need to do to prepare to service the battery electric vehicles as well if they're already doing the hybrid service? Okay, so if you're a hybrid shop owner, you probably have factory scan tools or really good scan tools. You understand how batteries connect and disconnect. So there's really only two areas, maybe three, that will be new. One is how we heat the cabin. So one way of heating the cabin, which is not very efficient, is a little pot, if you want, with a high voltage cables going to it. It's got antifreeze inside. The mm -hmm. customer puts on the button. I said, want heat. has to heat up the antifreeze. And then a little pump circulates through the heater core. So if you know the dash, it looks exactly the same. That little electronic high voltage thing is under the hood somewhere. Now we went to heat pumps. So that's kind of new. And if you're a member of Society of Automotive Engineers, I wrote an article, I think, back in February for SAE about heat pumps. That information is new, so you need to learn that. So heating the cabin. The other thing is the battery's much larger. It's li always lithium. So you'll need to have some equipment. We'll probably talk about that later, but you also need to understand how the charging system works. So I went looking everywhere for a breakout box between the plug and the car itself when you plug it into a charger. I couldn't find one, so we made one. And so we have a class here that goes very much through the five pins on that little J1772 plug. If you don't know what that is, you'll have to learn. Then we have fast chargers, There's something called Chatamo, which was invented by Mitsubishi back in the 1990s or maybe 2007, somewhere in there anyway, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. That's fading away. That's a big charger that does DC fast charging. And since 2013 or 14, we now have CCS combined charging systems. So you need to understand those systems, the fast charger and level one and level two, which is slower. So heating the cabin, charging up the battery, and then the big battery itself. And other than that, you already know the rest. Well, you had talked about equipment earlier, and I know that's one of the things that in talking with some of the engineers, some of the manufacturers, they did mention that, for example, you know, the battery pack itself is it weighs about 2000 pounds and it's about the size of a mattress. 
And you're going to need something that's going to be able to lift that up and down. So you may need to buy some, some new lifts to do it. But if you're already doing hybrid service, I would imagine you already have a lot of the safety equipment. What sorts of equipment? If a shop hasn't been doing this before, what sorts of investment do they need to think about? So you're a general repair shop and you've stayed away from hybrids. You've done oil changes and tires and a few things, but no diagnostics. And if there's a problem, either a buddy of yours does it and you send him down the street, which would be great, or maybe back to the dealership, which is probably not so great. Mm-hmm. At any rate, you want to get involved. Well, the first thing, of course, is safety. You know, PPE, the proper gloves, the whole thing about gloves, the rubber gloves, the leather protectors, all of that. And that's easily, def- you can easily find that out. I think we get information on our website for free about that, but it's everywhere. Then you have to train your technicians on where is the hazard. Then there's this thing called safing down the car, which is a four or five step process, depending on the OEM. The OEMs will always tell you to disconnect the 12 volt battery. We're a little bit different. Sometimes the 12 volt battery being disconnected will cause a no start on an old Prius. So, you know, there's some variations in the aftermarket from OEM, but there's a certain way you're going to shut the car off and disconnect this and move an orange plug or flip a switch. And on European cars, you'd have something entirely different. They've been doing since 2013. When you're all done, though, you need to find a test point. Where can I actually access high voltage and get a cath three meter and all the right stuff and your PP? And you're going to test to make sure when you shut the car down, it actually shut down the way it was supposed to. Once you've verified that that car is safe to work on, and the only high voltage we have is in the battery pack, and it's turned off, and you're not going to be working in the pack, then the gloves come off. And you can work on a conventional car, so there's no high voltage. But that means locking up the key, but there's a lot of protocol. And one mistake can cost you a finger, or a hand, or your arm, or heaven forbid, your life. So I don't overemphasize death because there's been zero fatalities in the United States electrocution on any car since they came out in December of 1999. It's a good track record, mm-hmm. but let's not push it. <laughs> yeah, well, safety is always a major consideration around the shop. And again, I think anyone who has been already doing hybrid service is probably familiar with the safety protocols. Again, the safety shutoff switch, et cetera. I know a lot of the training organizations, you may have been done it yourself, for example, offer free first responder training to safety, right. you know, how to save the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, we, we have a lot of recorded webinars on our website. And if you go all the way to the bottom recorded webinars, the last two are free and they're first responder stuff. So if you want to see what we do, or you just know a fire department doesn't have any training, just say, go to Craig's website, go to the webinars, go all the way to the bottom, click on that. There's no code. And they're new. We did this two or three months ago to raise money for foster kids, Oh, which we did pretty well with. Actually, it was quite fun. That's great. What's the website address? Our web is fixev.com, F-I-X-E-V.com. We had mentioned earlier, you know, you obviously ACDC is, is a big uh, hybrid and, and battery electric vehicle training now, I guess. Tell us a little bit about the training. What sort of budgets and things like that should I set aside to train my technicians? And how many technicians need to be trained? Is this for everybody or just could you do one or two and train the trainer thing? But I also didn't finish the last answer. I just want to go a bit more. So you need a good scan tool. Oh. With Toyota, you don't need a lot of special tools. With Honda, you don't need a lot. There's not a lot of special tools. People think you need all these special tools. A lot of things can be done with what you have already. There's a few special tools, but they're not expensive. If you're going to take the inverter case apart on a Gen 3 Prius 2010 to 2015, Toyota sells a tool for about 120 bucks. It's going to split the case in half. You can do it with a rubber mallet, a brass hammer, and a sledgehammer, but it's a little ugly when you're done. <laughs> so I mean, we're talking things that are not tens of thousands, not even thousands, but what you'd be paying at any tool pl- place for it, some average tools. There's nothing really big there. Mm-hmm. When you get to the lift table to re- take that 2,000-pound battery, which is on a high end, heavy end, a Chevy Volt is around 
500 pounds. Mm-hmm. The original leaf was 850 pounds, but they are getting up to where you mentioned, uh, Tony, getting back to 2,000 pounds. I went on the line just the other day. Now there's a lift company, and you can Google it. You'll find a lift company that's making that table. Mm. And I was preparing for this, and I think it was around 6,000 bucks. Now, you can jury rig things, but for $6,000 to carry something 2,000 pounds and safely move it, probably worth the money. Probably the same amount of money you'd pay for a little scissors lift if you had one of those. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back to your question about training. So we have A text, B text, and C text. And one of the things that we're doing, and this is going to be in the future, because right now I'm in my old repair shop. There's about a thousand square feet behind me, but attached to this building is 4,000 square feet that I've leased to a body shop. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I gave them their notice about two months ago. And it's kind of open-ended because it's hard to find property here in Worcester, Massachusetts. But I said, please leave. I need the place. So we're going to expand out to 5,000 square feet by the middle of next year at the latest because they've got to go. And upstairs, because we're on a hill, is going to be a new class called Evolution Solution. And it's patterned after Jim Linder. If anybody remembers Jim Linder's guru classes, which happened in Indiana back in the 90s, he retired. It was awesome. Uh You go for a week not to learn hybrids. But in this day and age, to learn CANBUS, to learn scopes, to learn reprogramming, the things that we don't teach here because we expect you to know that. But a lot of technicians are coming to our class called Up Your Voltage, which is our seven-day class, and they really don't have the skills to acquire what they could. Mm -hmm. So we see that as a need in the industry. So we'll provide that. Maybe I I asked last night, I was at a NACAT meeting, North American Council of Automotive Teachers, Mm -hmm. it's a great webinar last night. I was a participant in terms of being the audience. And Kurt Ward from Joliet, Illinois is a professor there, led a great discussion. And one question I asked was, is there any five-day classes you can send a graduate from your college to that maybe needs a little bit more tweaking on CANBUS and scopes and all the things that are 12 volt, but at 2021, the answer was no. It used to happen. There was many places like this. So we're going to recreate that because I see the need. So we'll be testing technicians online for free mm-hmm. when we finish our college level textbook, which is a whole other story, but that's for teachers. And then we'll see where you fit. If you pass the test with shining example of, of your answers, then you'll come to our Up Your Voters class right off the bat. If you're struggling, we're going to ask you to take Evolution Solution first and get that done. And then you'll also see the facility you'll be here. So that's a two-part program. We're not there yet, but we need to go there. So no, you can have a, a C-Tech shouldn't be here yet. Mm-hmm. A B-Tech might be able to get into our hybrid class. Maybe not. We'll have a solution, evolution solution for them next year. So we want to provide that because we see the need. You don't want to train everybody. You mm-hmm. want to probably have two. In fact, quite often, if it's a small shop, the owner will come the first time with their lead tech. The owner wants to get our credentials because you have to have credentials to get tech support from us. Mm-hmm. We provide tech support to what we call our qualified shops. And that means they've trained with us. They have a certain amount of equipment. They have information systems. And then when they call for tech support, and I've got a fellow right now, Alex, just trained about a year ago. He's in California with a Gen 1 Prius with a strange problem. They're three hours different. And we're in the morning here. I know this is recorded. So I'll, when I'm done with this, I'm going to give him a call and help him out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that made sense or not. So I'll try to quick review. If you're not quite ready for high voltage, we'll have something for you. When you've got through that, you come here. There'll be eight days next year. Right now it's seven to get your hybrid training. And then we think you're, we're done except for tech support and making sure you stay current. Mm-hmm. That's our plan and how we do it. There's other training. 
But most of what I see and is mostly lower level. I'm not trying to beat anybody up here or safety training. And there may be more that I'm not aware of. I work a lot with colleges, but if you want to send one of your technicians to training there, they got to take six months off of work and go to college. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So I hope we're not the only one because I love competition. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, there's there's quite a bit of, of individuals out there and companies offering the, the hybrid training because everybody sees it as the wave of the future. We're moving towards electrification. Yeah. And I guess you had mentioned scan tools, et cetera. Are the current scan tools enough or do you think there's going to be a need for different types of equipment for a pure battery versus a hybrid vehicle? Are they similar enough that the equipment will translate? Yeah. The Nissan Leaf scan tool is fairly expensive. It's around six or $7,000 for factory. So most people are going to use some other scan tool. But when you get it to Toyota, the Techstream, which is a really good scan tool, you can get a subscription, I think, for two or three days for 55 bucks. So a lot of our shops, they don't have factory scan tools, but they have a mongoose cable or some other device that will allow them to go up on the, the, the air, mm-hmm. download software that has a time limit to it to get that tough problem fixed. And also there's places, of course, out there that will, you can just have them come in, get your data link connector wirelessly, and someone else will fix it for you remotely from Michigan or some other place. There's lots of options. And of course, there's mobile diag. Are they using more on the telematic side of the equation? Is a lot of the testing going to be wireless or is it still going to be a plug-in connector? I know there's been a lot of conversation. Well, we're fortunate to be in Massachusetts where we just passed our second right to repair law, mm-hmm. which is going to force the manufacturers when they get the lip and they get rid of the data link connector, which is going to go away, mm-hmm. that that information has to be available to independent shops. That's our state law. Now, of mm-hmm. course, it has to be enforced in court. It's just a law. One myth, I think, that I really like to dispel if you came here to learn how to work on a Toyota Prius, it would be, I mean, extensively, it would be five days mm-hmm. if you knew nothing. Five days. If you came to work on a Nissan Leaf, a pure electric car, it would be three days. Easier. Mm-hmm. Less things going on. Mm-hmm. Electric cars, when people embrace them and start to work on them, they're going to love them. There's no gasoline dripping down my elbow and getting in my armpit from changing a fuel filter. I'm not burning my exhaust, my hand on the exhaust. I'm not breathing fumes. I start a car up, I don't need an exhaust hose. There's so many benefits. Not I'm talking about the environment or anything else. Of course, I care about that. But Mm -hmm. from the technician's standpoint, they're going to love these cars. They're going to be easier to work on. You'll go home a lot cleaner. You're not going to be breathing lousy stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're easier to diagnose. We just finished a five-day class called Electric Drive. It's only for teachers. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally five days ago. And we put up, we have a big whiteboard that we write on. And it's like a scan thing, too. But we wrote down all the possible things that a gas engine could have happen that will cause drivability or emissions. It's an endless list. Mm-hmm. We wrote a list of anything on a pure electric car that could cause a drivability. There are no emissions. It's five things. It's going to be simple. What sorts of service are, are we going to be doing on these things? You had mentioned a lot, a lot about ICE engines, of course, you know, oil changes, that sort of thing. Auto Inc., your magazine that I wrote for for years, does an article, and I think you can find it on our website if you go to links. But I wrote it in 2018, and they said, what is going to happen to the shop of the future? So it's for 2048, my prediction. I'll make it simple. In 2048, let's say that 80% of cars that are being sold are electric. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of gas cars. Of course, in New England, everything falls apart due to rust. Uh, we have about a 15 year lifespan and the frame is rotted away. So they're gonna be gone. They'll be all be gone. A shop will look like a car wash because the amount of work you're gonna do is be minimal. 
the car may drive itself over. Mm-hmm. If you have a good coffee, maybe the customer will come with it because they like you and they want to hang out in the waiting room and visit and see how everything's going with the dogs and the farm or whatever, whatever, because shops owners are not going to change. Right. And that relationship, which I think is why the independents do so well, we had an independent shop in this building for 26 years, thinking Hondas and Toyotas. So I know that feeling, that feeling of getting to know your customer, getting to know you. So right. the car is going to go through what looks like a car wash. You'll have new journeyman technicians. Hopefully we have licensing by that. I know that's controversial. I think that's important because of the safety aspect. We'll have young people. This thing is going to lift up off the ground, go nice and slow. We might still have wiper blades. We probably will. We might have air in the tires. We probably will. But it's going to be about a 20-minute inspection. And there'll be big data. You're going to look at this huge screen above this lift, above this movable piece, if you want, to see did the sensor on the wheel bearing tell me we had problems. One of our customers from Barcelona, Spain, and he repairs electric motors on uh, ski lifts and big machinery. Mm-hmm. Uh, motors that are the size of this bay that we're sitting in. Right. There's a company in Finland 10 years ago that came up with a sensor the size of my thumbnail that glues on the bearing race. And it has a little battery that sends information to an onboard computer that will let them know when the bearing's vibrating or what the temperature is. We already know the current going in and we know the voltage going in. We can measure that. That's it. So if these devices start to be used in automobiles, it takes some guesswork out. But anyway, when the, when this when this electric car goes down through the car wash, getting serviced in 15 minutes with a whole line behind it, you can't make money driving it out of a lift. It takes too long to rack it and bring it out again. It'd be a short amount of work. If there's something wrong, then there'll be three or four bays in an average shop. The car then goes into a bay and then it has a lift and you have a tech that looks just like a technician today. Scan tools and it'll be wireless. They're going to fix that car. They're going to break. They're going to have CV joint boots ripped. There's going to be repair work to do. Mm-hmm. The difference is the drive line. You're not going to have engine oil burning. There isn't any engine oil. There's no oil changes. So I just bought a Kia Nero EV. And I just un, I just brought back a Chevy Bolt, what I call a T-Law. B-O-L-T is their pure electric car. Mm-hmm. We leased it for three years. The owner's manual on the Chevy Bolt is very clear. The first fluid you change is 10 years, 150,000 miles after you get the car. Wow. And that's going to be a little bit of gear lube that's in a gearbox that doesn't shift between electric motor and the differential and antifreeze. That's it. Then you wait another 10 years and 150,000 miles before you do it again. That's it. Now there's wow. brake inspections, there's some brake fluid, but the amount of work, my guess in the article that I wrote is you will lose 90% of your maintenance. Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna do just fine, personally. Mm-hmm. I, I'm very optimistic about this transition. There'll be bumps and starts, but if a shop owner's not gonna do it at all, you're gonna close down. If you care about your kids, if you care about your employees, it's up to you whether you like it or not is immaterial. Whether you believe in it or not has nothing to do with your business, I hope. Don't make it personal, but get into hybrids and EVs eventually. There's no money in EVs, so hybrids are fine right now. Mm-hmm. And so the future generations have something to work on. And you said it at the very beginning. If you understand a hybrid, you're almost there with EVs. It's true. Well, it's certainly common. All the major manufacturers are pushing up their uh, deadlines, and there's going to be a transitional period. I know one of the biggest uh, holdbacks right now is basically the infrastructure. And there's something going on with charging stations, I believe, that you and I were talking about. What do you see there? Well, Volkswagen cheated and got caught with their diesels. Mm-hmm. And part of their penalty is Electrify America. If I understand this correct, that just got sold. But Volkswagen, as part of their penalty, had to build charging stations across the country. Mm-hmm. These are level, well, level three is the wrong terminology. These are fast chargers. Mm-hmm. So these are the ones you're using when you're going on a road trip from Texas to Minneapolis and back. 
90% of charging is done at somebody's home. Most people don't know that. So I, you know, I charge up my Kia Nero. I have 298 miles of range the way I drive. Mm-hmm. My Nissan Leaf's getting old, so I got about 60 miles of range. We have a couple electric cars. So the fast chargers are really what's necessary. But when this experiment started back in 2011, so we're 10 years ago, we didn't know where to put chargers. And the most expensive thing is doing the trench and bringing the cables to the front of a building. So if Kmart or Walmart wanted to put them in, they put them in the back of the building because that's where the power came in off the grid, but no one sees them. If you don't know if there's a charger, just go to it. There's an app called Plug Share, P-L-U-G-S-H-A-R-E. Just, just download the app Plug Share and just hit your zip code and you'll see more charging stations than you ever imagined. There's a little filter at the bottom. You can click on level one or level two or Chatamo or CCS or Tesla. Mm-hmm. And when you have a certain type of car, you'll click the charging connectors that fit your car. Then you'll see what you have available. But right now I could take my Kia Nero and drive to Chicago and back, no trouble. There's mm-hmm. a whole network out there. Is that something that future shops might be looking at as, a, as an additional revenue generator? I mean, what used to be we had garages and they sold gas and that was a natural thing to go into repairs. Are we going to see something similar evolve with the, uh, with the, with the uh, charging stations at repair shops? Probably not, only because each state regulates it. And some states were charging by the minutes you were there. Uh-huh. And then they said, wait a minute, you have to charge by the kilowatt hour. Mm-hmm. There are places that make money. The fast charges are making money because they're really expensive to put in and they need a ton of energy to work. Mm-hmm. But our qualified shops generally have a level two charger that we suggest. Clipper Creek is a brand I particularly like. They're out of California. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what you get, but they like Clipper Creek. They're, Clipper Creek is relatively inexpensive. It's American made, but there's no way to know who's using it. Mm-hmm. Just like you give out a nice cup of coffee to your customer in the morning when they come in. That's right. my thinking with repair shops. There'll be a charging station. Guy's Automotive in Salt Lake City is a good example. Uh, Chad, guys, I was talking the other day. It's a charger out there, a level two, big sign, free charging. Mm-hmm. Now, he had a neighbor up the street who used to come at 11 o'clock and plug his car in, and then get up early at 6 and leave, who never traded there. So there's a downside is your neighbors may steal your electricity, but the cost is like a cup of coffee. Yeah. So I think repair shops, and level one is too slow. So you need a level two, and if you want to future-proof it, get the 80 amp one, because we're getting bigger and bigger chargers in the car. And I should clarify something. The thing you're bringing over in your hand to plug in level one and level two is just an expensive extension cord. It's not mm-hmm. a charger. The technical name is EVSE, Electric Vehicle Supply Equipment, what he calls them chargers. The charger's in the car. Hmm. And when they first came out in 2011, it was a 3.3 kilowatt charger, which meant I might get 10 miles of range in an hour. Now, the new Cadillac Lyric, I think that's how they say it, the Pure EV coming out next year, the year after, it has almost 20 kilowatts. Went from 3.3 to 20, which means I need to have a lot of power, a lot of current, a lot of amps in that car for it to charge quickly. So if you want to get something for your shop, 1500 bucks is the name I remember, the number I remember to get a level two at 80 amps free for your customers and how you regulate your neighbors to the electricity. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we'll be charging for it. Now, there are systems that will charge. There are systems that you put your credit card in and then the, the person who owns the charging station gets your email address so they can market to you. Mm-hmm. It really depends on the, your state, how they want you to sell it and whether you want to use it as a loss leader to come in and just because I'm a friendly guy or whether you want to make money, you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You got to go with your state regulations. Well, Craig, this has been fascinating. I know there's going to be a lot more conversation about this, so I'm probably going to be circling back with you at some point. That's okay. We'll be here. 
we have been through technological advancements our entire careers. And I, I said this to somebody the other day, it fascinates me that in the space of one career, you know, it's possible to have gone from basically working on mechanical systems, points, plugs, and condensers. Remember those? I worked on them. I worked 1973 Civic. <laughs> there you go. All the way up to EVs yeah. and, you know, in between. So we as an industry, I, th- I think every time a, a new technological advancement comes out, they predict the demise of the independent repair market. Didn't happen with automatic transmissions. Didn't happen with disc brakes. No. And I imagine it's not going to happen with hybrid electric or electric vehicles. So, Any A-level tech today that's good at what they're doing is going to love this stuff. Mm-hmm. The B-level techs will have to move up a little bit. And don't they work for C-level techs? You know, the pure electric cars have tires and brakes yeah. and they, the brakes don't wear out. They go 200,000 miles because of regenerative braking. But, you know, there'll be something for everyone. And it's a great industry. Uh, you know, it can always get better, but we're very resilient. The shop owners I know, they work hard. They're honest. They do lots of things for their communities. They're good people. Mm-hmm. And they want to make this shop work well. Uh, and there's a lot of them out there. And hopefully they all belong to ASA. Well, actually, a fair number of them do. So we'll, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about that later, too. So. Well, Craig, I want to thank you again for your time. We have been talking with Craig Van Battenberg. You got it this time. Of ACDC, the Automotive Career Development Center. Again, we will have that website address and contact information in the show notes for those of you who might want more information on exactly what you need to do to prepare for what is coming down the road. Again, Craig, thanks for your time today. It's been great. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Okay. Take care. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.